0: Uh, Thanksgiving this week, and they flew into LAX on uh, Tuesday, and it was right before rush hour started, uh, was about to start, and so we thought, let's go down to the beach, and we'll walk on the water, and we'll eat down there, and hopefully we'll uh, avoid some of the traffic. So we went down to Manhattan Beach, and they have the whole pier lit up. I'd never seen it like this. They have Christmas lights all the way down and then a big Christmas tree type thing at the end. And it was really beautiful. We took a bunch of pictures. It was beautiful as the lights kind of ricochet off of the water and it's really pretty. And I love all of these Christmas lights, not only because it looks beautiful, but it has some symbolic meaning. In fact, several of the authors of the Bible uh, talked about Jesus coming to this earth as a baby as light coming into the world. So, for example, in Math in John chapter 1, verse 9, uh, John says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Talk about Jesus coming to this world to bring true light to everyone. Matthew says, Matthew 4:16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So, several of these biblical authors, this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 9, and we'll look at that in a moment. But several of these biblical offer, authors talk about the, uh, the joy of Christmas as being a light that has come into the world. And when they talk about this light, what is being communicated is that Jesus brings life, and he brings truth, and he brings beauty. And so the main point of this uh, sermon today that I want us to consider together is that the light of Jesus shines into our lives. The light that Jesus shines into our lives can move us from ignorance and evil to God's wisdom and goodness. So the light that Jesus brings, this light of life, And truth and beauty, when Jesus shines us into our lives, he can move us from darkness, from this uh, ignorance and evil, into God's wisdom and goodness. In preparation for this uh, message, I was reading what one author had to say about these themes of light and darkness. And I thought what he said about darkness was especially relevant, uh, given that uh, we are... Thinking about Christmas today, he says, Tim Keller says, In the Bible, the word darkness refers to both evil and ignorance. It means first that the world is filled with evil and untold suffering. Look at what was happening at the time of the birth of Jesus. Violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart and bottomless grief and when I read that description I thought wow the world that Jesus came into is not so dissimilar to the world that we live in today we live in a world that is full of hurt and full of uncertainty people are uh, are concerned about the uncertainty of their future as they think about their families or about their work or their finances, or even the state of this country. A couple weeks ago, I went to visit uh, someone at the hospital. and, uh, And this was actually a couple days after the election. And so we sat down and I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm scared. There's so much uncertainty. Uncertainty about my own health. Uncertainty about my family. Uncertainty about the state of our country. And all of these things... And I think if we were to examine our own lives, we would admit that there are things in the future, things that are taking place all around us and even within us that cause us anxiety, that cause us worry. And and what we need is we need hope, that there is some good coming down the road. And so this morning we are going to talk about how Jesus comes. And when his light shines into our life, it brings hope. We talk about these Advent themes, but I hope when we talk about Christmas hope, it is more than just superficial, than some trite comment like something you'd write on a Christmas card. But the idea that the hope of Jesus, when he comes into our lives, actually changes everything. It can change us from the inside out. The coming of Jesus ought to give us new hope for our families, for our work, for uh, difficult things in our lives. The coming of Jesus into our lives gives us different perspective and helps us to hope in different things. And so these are the things that we are going to consider together today. The The main verse we will look at is a familiar verse from Isaiah chapter 9, a verse that if you've been coming to church for a while, you've heard several times. It's a verse that's commonly read at this time of year. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's go before the Lord and uh, commit this time uh, to him in prayer. Father God, as we gather here this morning, uh, we are in need of your hope. We pray that you would speak to us and help us to Uh, not only evaluate our own lives but to look to you and to find a hope in you that you would speak to us in wherever we are at in our lives and that you would help us uh, to to turn our eyes to you and so god i pray that you would bless this message in jesus name amen as i said this is a verse that we read all the time this time of year isaiah 9 uh, 6 we talk about jesus being a Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, an Everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace. But in fact, this verse uh, is, uh, was given 500 years before Jesus ever came to this earth. It was given by the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel. And so there is a context. We kind of just take, we pluck it out, uh, but there is a world in which this is given. In fact, this morning I'd like us to back up and to look at some of the previous verses just to understand this a little bit better because I think if we really understand it, it can provide us with tremendous hope in our lives. And so let's back up, let's back up actually all the way to Isaiah uh, chapter 8 and look at starting at verse 19. And uh, consider as I read these verses where Israel is at. It says, "When says, uh, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, Should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness in fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. So the people here of Israel, are descri- the scene that is being described here is the people are in utter darkness. They are completely lost. They don't know where to turn. Isaiah uh, tells them, some are telling them to consult mediums and spiritists. Some are even telling them to pray to the dead verse 21, it goes on to say that they are distressed and hungry. They roam through the land. They are roaming and wandering, and they don't know where to look. They're completely lost. I think there are a lot of people today that they're going through life, and they don't know really where to look. They're seeking hope in all kinds of things, but there is so much confusion. Sometimes I'll talk to people, and they'll ask me, what do you do for a living? Oh, well, I'm a pastor over in West Covina. And so right away, they tell me about their church involvement. And a lot of people, they'll say, you know, I used to go to church. I just, I don't have the time anymore. Or, you know, I don't, I just, church isn't my type of thing. I know church is good for some people. They like God and religion and all this stuff. It's just not my cup of tea. As if it's a take it or leave it type of thing. And they live in darkness and they don't even know that they're in darkness, they consider themselves just completely okay. When I was in college, I worked as a, a, camp, uh, as a counselor at a, at a Bible camp. And so every week, all throughout the summer, we'd get a new batch of campers. And so I'd gather up my, uh, my kids and, that were in my cabin on the first night, and I'd say, leave your flashlights in the bunk, and line them all up at the door. And I'd shut off the lights, and I'd say, we're going for a hike and, we, and uh, this is out in the middle of the woods. There's no light. You've been out in the woods, right, uh, when there's no artificial light and it is just like pitch black. And we just start walking through the trails. And the amazing thing is, after a while, your eyes begin to adjust. The reason I did this is kind of a team building exercise. Okay, and we'd start walking through these trails and eventually you can kind of see where you're going and the kids are oh, watch out, there's a root here, don't trip, and oh, there's a mud puddle here, don't step in it, and they're helping each other out, and they get back, and we, and we turn on the light, and they're high-fiving each other, yeah, we took a walk in the middle of the dark, and they're all happy, and they think they did a great job, but when they look in the mirror, when the light's on, they've got little scrapes on their face, they walk through some branches, and they didn't even know it, their feet are their shoes are all full of mud, they stepped in mud puddles, and they had no idea. You see, when the light of Jesus shines into our lives, we've got little scrapes and we've stepped in mud puddles and we have no idea. People are high-fiving each other, think they're doing a great job. Hey, we're doing good. We're living our lives. But the truth of the matter is they're, they're, they're stuck in all of these things in which the hope is so shallow, shallow, it doesn't really provide any true meaning in their lives. And so we hope in money, and we hope in success, and we have hopes for our family, we have hopes for our friendships, and all of these things. And yet, uh, uh, and yet the hope, and yet the only thing that can re- really bring real meaning and certainty in this uncertain world is a hope in God. And so Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, he says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly blesses us with everything for our enjoyment. So there is a hope here. There is a a movement from a hope that is so uncertain to a hope that is grounded in Jesus Christ. When we go back to Isaiah, there is a movement in this passage. In fact, I want us to notice three movements in this passage as we seek to have hope in our lives. The first movement we see here is a movement from lost to looking. The movement happens in Isaiah 9.1. We see a people that is so lost, now they have begun to find their way. 9.1 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The first turning point here, as it says for the Israelites, is they went from lost to looking. They began to have direction in their lives because they began to look to God. There's a lot of lands here mentioned in this passage, and we don't need to go into all of these details. But the, what I want you to understand is when this was given, the Israelites were under captivity from the Assyrians, or sometimes we call them the Babylonians. They are under captivity. And so we sing this Christmas carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and rescue captive Israel. This is what it's talking about. The, uh, Israel is being rescued because they finally look to God. There is a movement from lost to looking. And that's what's, that is what we are called to today as well. To look to God. It doesn't mean that we have to have everything all figured out, but do we look to God? Do we look for God for our family, for our work, for, our, for the difficulties in our lives? Are we seeking God with our lives? And that is my question for you. Are you looking for God? Or are you satisfied just to walk in the darkness? Or should we look for the presence of God all around us? If we seek hope, the first movement is to move from loss to looking. The second movement is to move from darkness to a new vision. We see that here in verses 2 and 3. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So what we see here is the people have moved from darkness to having a new vision. They rejoice as if there is a huge harvest before them. They rejoice as if they are dividing up the plunder of war. They see things in a different light. Even though they are technically still under captivity, they see it through God's perspective. When the light of Jesus shines into our light, it causes us to see everything with a different point of view, it helps us to see, have a different perspective in our lives. As I was thinking about this uh, point in this message, I, I was thinking about our church family. And we have a family. I'm going to invite in a moment Jose and Nancy. Uh, Nancy's going to come and share. But I think of them because I know that they, they have a beautiful family. Lucas is in our youth group. He's involved uh, there, and then they have a young daughter uh, Sarah, who's what, nine or ten, nine years old. And when Sarah was born into their lives, it kind of gave them a different perspective, a different hope for their family. And God uh, did a work in their hearts. So, and so I'll ask Nancy, I think Nancy's going to come and share with us how God worked during that time when Sarah was born.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Nancy Cortez. My husband and I, along with our two children, Lucas and Sarah, have been attending this church for over five months. I wanted to take this opportunity to um, thank you all for making us feel at home. We really enjoy coming here to listen to God's word, worship him, and to have an opportunity of serving him. Thank you. Pastor Corey asked my husband or I to share a bit of our story. Uh, if I can go back in time and relive one moment in my life, uh, without a doubt, I would choose the moment my husband and I were told that our little girl, who's sitting over there and you might hear her every once in a while, would be born with Down syndrome a physical and mental disability. Looking back now, I wish I had reacted differently. As you can only imagine, my daughter's diagnosis uh, brought our life, as we knew it, to a complete halt. In all honesty, at that moment, I felt a sense of soul-crushing hopelessness. Hopelessness because we really didn't know what to expect. Hopelessness because I worried about how others would treat her. Hopelessness because of the medical professionals that insisted that a child like Sarah would bring suffering to us, herself, and to our son Lucas whose quality of life, according to them, would suffer from having a sister like Sarah, who is somehow less than. Fortunately, we have a loving God who loves us and made us in his own image. His word tells us, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance But the Lord looks at the heart. So my husband and I clung to his word and promise. We decided to trust his will and allow him to lead the way for us. Her arrival was just as sweet and special as my son's. She was surrounded by a loving family. And just like any other precious baby, she just needed love. She needed someone to depend on and to care for her. We were cognizant that raising our baby with special needs was not going to be easy. But we were confident that God would step in and provide in whatever area we felt short in. Fast forward nine years, Sarah is a beautiful soul. She is healthy, happy, loves to give hugs and kisses, and is full of life. She doesn't ask for material goods. She's easily pleased with all the simple things in life. She brings out the best in everyone simply by being herself. Her infectious smile and sheer laughter fills my heart with joy. Children with Down syndrome do need a little bit more help, reaching their milestones. They do everything a bit later on the developmental charts, but the weight and the extra effort make every milestone a cause for celebration. Meeting Sarah's needs redefined our character, built a stronger unity in my family, and gave us a sense of purpose. I know for a fact that God has a purpose for Sarah's life as well. Her life has impacted our life. Through her life, God has given us a gift of perspective and tolerance. Sarah has forced us to slow down, and because of that, we are able to see, feel, and appreciate the blessings that God has mercifully given us, and continues to give us each and every day. My anxiety, sorrow, and fear of the unknown were replaced with hope. Not the hope so, but it is a no-so. It isn't wishing for the best. It isn't waiting to see what happens and hope that it turns well. My hope comes from God's promises, and I have chosen to put my faith in him. Yes, our family is different. That's a fact. Our challenges are different. That's a fact. Our life was forever changed. That's a fact. Would I change anything about it? Without a doubt, no. I love my girl. I could not see our life without her. I thank God for her precious life each and every day her life is valuable. Through my personal journey, God has given me hope, the kind of hope that only comes from knowing with certainty that he will walk with my family and I every step of the way. So I have made the choice to look to Christ, look to his promises, and hold fast to them. Thank you.
0: You see, when I, I think when Jesus comes into our life, he causes us to see all kinds of things differently. And I've thought about uh, Nancy's testimony with Sarah, and I've had to ask myself my own question, what are my hopes for my children? In light of Jesus and what He has given us, what are my hopes that not just that my kids would be successful or something along those lines, but when Jesus shines into our lives, he gives us new perspective on all kinds of things. You see, the light that Jesus shines into our life is a light that brings life. I think there's an, an analogy, you know, you think about how plants need uh, sunlight. Well, these plants aren't real, so they'll do fine in here. But, uh, it, but if, a plant, if, if a plant is to live very long, It's going to need to be outside where it can get sunlight, right? It is really only uh, in the light of Jesus that we can truly have life. Acts uh, chapter 17, verse 28 says, Only in God do we live and move and have our being. The other truth about the light of Jesus is that that is what brings truth into our life. You know, I mentioned those night walks. And, uh, and without, the light, uh, that without turning on the light, we really don't know what we stepped in or what scraped our face. And the same thing is true in our, in our spiritual reality. Unless God comes into our life, we really don't know where all of these things are going to lead us. There is great uncertainty. In fact, uh, it is, uh, I can say with great confidence that without God in our lives, there is not much hope for these things to have any lasting meaning in our lives. John said it this way, this is the message that we have heard from Him and declared to you, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It is in life with Jesus that we not, not only is the truth revealed, but that we are able to live into the truth. And then the third thing, not only life and truth, but I think of beauty. You know, I talked about how lights or Christmas lights are so beautiful. I think a life that is lived with and for Jesus is actually a very beautiful life as well. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand And it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When the light of Jesus comes and changes our perspective, causes us to think, see things differently, that is when our lives truly have beauty. That is when we move from just living for ourselves and the selfishness to living for others and living in generosity towards others. That is when the good de- our good deeds are don't, aren't self-serving, but they point towards Jesus. That is when our good deeds glorify our Father in heaven. So how do we experience this light? How do we move into this type of hope? Well, the third movement that I want us to notice in this passage, is found in verses 4 and 5. And it is a movement from self-reliance to trusting Jesus. A movement from self-reliance to trusting Jesus. I'm gonna, this is going to take some explanation, but look at these verses with me a second. Isaiah 9, 4 and 5. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So what's this verse talking about? Well, first of all, it talks about here in uh, verse 4, the day in Midian's defeat. What Isaiah is referring here is to a story in uh, Judges chapter 7. The Israelites were told to go into battle against this army of the Midianites. A huge army, so many soldiers. In fact, it says, uh, the passage says that they have so many sh- uh, chariots that you could uh, not number the chariots any easier than you could number the sand on the seashore. I mean, just this massive army. And the, Gideon, is, Gideon is the leader of the Israelites, and he's told by God, Rather than send all of the Israelites uh, up into this battle, go down to the creek and do a test. Those that get down and lap the water, getting a drink like a dog would out of the creek, those you eliminate. Only those that cup the water and bring it up to the mouth, those are the ones that are to go into battle with you. 300 people are left. And so the Israelites go into battle, and it says that uh, God does this so that only God will get the credit. There is no way the Israelites could have done this on their own. It's a move from self-reliance to trusting God. It's a move from using worldly wisdom to believing God and taking Him at His promises. The same could be true of this little skit that the kids did. David and Goliath. It doesn't make any sense to send this little shepherd boy with his slingshot and a couple stones against this mighty giant, right? And in fact, if we are to live the teachings of Jesus, a lot of times they won't make a whole lot of sense either. Jesus says that, uh, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek? Aren't the ones who inherit the earth those that are aggressive and seek to get things Uh, to them uh, for themselves those that are real go-getters and and seek to take care of themselves and yet jesus's teaching is the exact opposite he tells us to be meek and to be humble he teaches us to be forgiving he says to forgive your enemies 70 times seven in other words without end the world tells us to hold on to a grudge and to put those aside who have done us wrong and yet jesus teaches us to live with forgiveness he teaches us to live lives that are self sacrificial. He says uh, to, de- to daily deny yourself, take up your cross, and uh, follow him. Who denies themselves? If you want to live a life that makes a real difference in this world, if you want to live a life kind of as a rebel that you stand out, you know, you want to live uh, counterculture, live the way that Jesus taught us to live. Believe me, you'll, you'll stand out. It doesn't make any worldly sense. Jesus told us to live with generosity, to love your neighbor as yourself. No one looks out for their neighbor as they look out for their own interest. But Jesus tells us to live a different type of life. It is a life that moves away from trusting our own wisdom and our own strength, uh, relying on our own understanding, and it trusts in Jesus. The ways of Jesus never quite make sense to those that are just living in this world. Does it make any sense that the God of the universe was born as a baby in a manger? Does it make any sense that uh, Jesus, the King, would have to live as a refugee fleeing for, for his life through Egypt? Does it make any sense to win salvation to the world for the world to be nailed on a cross? And then you tell people that you believe in uh, in someone that rose from the dead after three days and they'll really think you're strange. You see, the ways of this world, they don't make a whole lot of sense. But God calls us to move from self-reliance to trusting in Him and taking Him at His word. Verse 5 goes on to say, "...every warrior's boot used in battle will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire." In other words, the warrior's boot, this is the the boot that's used for war, for fighting, to take things into your own hands. And he says, you might as well burn those in the fire. Use them for for heat because you're not going to need them any longer. And, And God is telling us to get rid of our own ways and to look to him and to trust in his ways. And then when we see these things happen, this is where the true movement takes place. It is a movement from loss to looking. It is a movement from darkness to a new vision. It is a movement from self-reliance to trusting God. And that is when we find Jesus truly to be a wonderful counselor. To guide us in the ways that He would have us to go. To advise us and to lead us well. That He would be our, our, our mighty God. That He would have our back. That He would not let us fall but that he would be our strength and our power that he would be our everlasting father a father is one that protects and guides that loves and care for us and Jesus is an everlasting father in other words there is no end to his love and his protection his guidance and his care and that he would be a prince of peace and ultimately let me just say that I believe that Jesus is the only one that can truly bring the peace to our hearts and to our souls that we long for. We've just gone through a political season in which the politicians make all kinds of promises. But peace will never come through governments or treaties. It is only found in the light of Jesus, in living with and for Him. And so here is my uh, application question for us today. How is God calling you to see your life differently in light of Jesus' coming? What is He calling you to look at in your life differently, from a different perspective? Is He calling you to have new hopes for your family? Is He calling you to have different hopes for your work? Maybe in light of Jesus in your life, maybe you will look at your work or your career in a different way. Is he calling you to look at how you treat your money and your finances differently have new hopes for your wealth that you would use those things in 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 light of jesus in his presence is he calling you to look at even illness and disease and hardships in light of his presence to have different hopes as we think about him coming into our lives With Jesus' light, which is His presence in our hearts, with Jesus' light comes hope because His presence is a great light of life and of truth and of beauty. Let's pray. Father God, we have been challenged this morning as we look at Your Word to consider what it would be like to have Jesus in our life as our wonderful Counselor, as our mighty God, as our Prince of Peace, and as our Everlasting Father. And God, even as we have heard this testimony that is shared, and as we've considered our own lives this morning, we pray that you would help us to turn our vision, to not see things just in worldly perspective, because we're going to be bombarded with that for for the next month, with all of the commercials and family get-togethers where we feel like we need to impress someone, and all of these things that will be around us, God, we pray that you would give us a different perspective. Help us to hope in Jesus. Help us to put our uh, to put on a different vision, to have a different vision for our families and for our work, and for the ways that we use our money during this season. Help us to use the things that you have taught us in your Word to live in such a way that our light would shine and that it would be a testimony to those around us. We pray this all in Jesus' in name. Amen.